0: In full disclosure, this is probably the most difficult part to talk about, it's just not my style. The signals were there for all to see, but I didn't see any of them, because that was not the way I was wired. If we go all the way back to my childhood, I was wired just to work hard, be the first in the office and do the things, and that's the way I always did. Whether I had two jobs or three jobs, it didn't really matter taking on more and more and more and more responsibility without having the systems in place so that kind of led to what i would call burnout why would you call it burnout uh, i would call it because my doctor said it was burnout <laughs> my health was actually suffering my cholesterol was through the roof i was gaining weight not sleeping well through the night and four to five hours a night was like normal for me apparently four it's to not five hours a apparently night it's not normal. <laughs> For
1: you, you were doing that for decades
0: yeah yeah my mm-hmm. wife said you need to get Get a coach. Hi, my name's Andrew Dimitriou, and this is how I became CEO of VML YNR in EMEA.
2: Our next guest's journey has roots in Greece, but they grew in Oz. Faced with the earliest challenges of being different at a time when that was seen as odd, his parental influences always pushed him to do better. And as he grew older, he took a jump across continents. Despite leaving the hot weather, he now sits in a space where he has many countries to lead across multiple time zones and holds the belief to encourage and empower people so they are enabled to grow. They say it's not where you've been, it's about where you are. We're here with Andrew Dimitriou, CEO of VML YNR Emir. So
1: that's your story in a poem. It is. It is. and that's what we're going to unpack today how does someone go from 1999 account coordinator at WNR all the way up to ceo for europe middle east and africa for the same organization that's a fascinating story a lot of people would love to know how to do the same maybe so we're going to unpack that and uh, unpack your moving countries for love yeah <laughs> and the family journey with this yeah. So take us back to the beginning and set the scene for us of of your life.
0: Yeah, I guess the beginning is kind of very influential, actually. You know, and you kind of figure out how influential it was only later on in your life. So I think it's important to kind of spend a minute on it. So, like, I was born to Greek parents. Mm-hmm. Okay, that left a dictatorship in, in Greece and essentially left with their clothes on their back and and went to Australia. So tough uh, tough. Not easy. Tough not, not, easy. not easy. So essentially in the modern day world I would be an immigrant. Although I may look like a middle aged white man um and speak like an Australian, I am literally an immigrant into, into the country. And I think that was shape- that that shaped me a great deal, actually, because you watched your parents you know, struggle with learning a language, you know, finding work, living a life. Um, and don't get me wrong, we ended up living a great middle class kind of life and and we were quite fortunate uh, at, the, at the end of it. But it was, you know, it was hard work, you know, <laughs> two jobs sometimes and things like that that really kind of helped shape, you know, who I am today like nothing is for granted you have to always work for something and once you work hard you always kind of get it back and that was almost imbued in me before I even had a chance to kind of learn anything else because it was just watching what your parents did I see so
1: you're looking at them and going okay this is how life is you've got to work hard one job sometimes isn't enough and and that's that's a requirement of life
0: yeah, it's a, it's not only a requirement of life, but it's kind of like it also teaches you the discipline that with hard work you do get things, right? So, mm. you know, and so like, you know, you, you can get to buy a house, you can get to buy a second house, you can do things if you put the hard yards in to be able to, but everything has a cost, right? Like you have to work mm. hard, you know, You know, so there's, I, f- I find it interesting these days where people say, oh, you don't have to work hard and, you know, you can work smarter and things like probably Um, but I think mentally the way I was I I has been grown up is is really just you know hard work and be there early be really prepared make sure you're buttoned up and all of those things and they were kind of childhood learnings by by osmosis really tell us about the
1: times you you grew up in Australia and and um, you see witness your parents working hard and building uh, a future for the family then you decide to go backpacking yeah yeah and you want to i guess you want to see the world you want to travel a little bit uh what was that experience like and 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 you had a, a crossroads situation yeah i had trip, a crossroads
0: right? situations so like after university and things like that it was kind of like you know doing the usual thing like do i need to go and get a job right now or, or things and i took the decision to say look i'm I'm going for like, a, as most Australians culturally do, three to <laughs> months backpacking around Europe and things like that. And during those travels, we found ourselves, um, me and two other friends, we found ourselves in Mykonos, actually, in Greece. And it was in one of those, back in the day, we're talking, it's going to age me, but 1997, and... <laughs> um, where Mykonos may not have been as glamorous as it is today, mm-hmm. but more like, you know, alternate lifestyle, I would say. And so we were backpacking through there, staying at a little pension, as they say, so like the the old Greek person's house that had a couple of extra bedrooms <laughs> and things like that you would mm-hmm. stay at. And it turns out I met someone there, actually. Um, I met my wife. Wow. Do you remember the day? Was- I remember the day was in in the middle of July, actually. What happened is we kind of were just talking by uh, like the little breakfast area there and we kind of exchanged back at that point in time email addresses, you know. So like uh, I'm going to age myself again, but it was a hotmail address I had. <laughs> Andy Blue at Hotmail, I think it was. Anyway, um, thankfully, I don't have that email address anymore. But um, we said, like, you know, if life has its ways, you know, we'll we'll meet again somewhere. And how old are you at this point? 23. 23. 23. 23. Okay. So I um, go back to Athens with my friend. I was staying with my aunt's house. And we kind of took the bus to go to explore down somewhere in Athens. And... Back in, the, in that day, not to age myself again, there was these things called internet cafes. If mm-hmm. like, <laughs> um, so talk about a business concept that went bust. But um, So I was sitting at an internet cafe and I was just kind of emailing some people back home and I get an email uh, saying from Jennifer and her friend Nikki, saying, we are now stuck in Athens, our plane is delayed, are you guys around? And, and you're so, in Australia now? No, I'm in Athens. Are you still in Athens? And she was in Athens getting ready to take off back to the US. Okay. So two weeks later, and I get a little alert saying, you know, whatever the hotmail alert was. And I click on it, and we're stuck here. Do you guys want to see it? turns out the internet cafe was like a 10-minute walk from oh, their wow. their hotel. So <laughs> I walk over there, and the hotel, you know, they said, oh, we've got seven hours, so we had a lunch and things like that. So I took them to the old Athens airport, which is not really exciting, but the plane kept getting delayed. So what was supposed to be like a six-hour delay turned up, you know, classic Greek airport infrastructure was, you know, I think to seven o'clock in the morning. So we just stayed up there and we were talking and things like that.
1: And that's where the sparks began. And that's where
0: the sparks began. Uh, Unfortunately, my aunt had a heart attack because there was no mobile phone. She thought I was missing. Oh, <laughs> yeah. you just disappeared. Yeah, I just disappeared. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, but anyway, long story short, she was flying around um, for business and I was, made myself my way to London. And that's when we kind of sort of hit it off in London. And we were dating across the Atlantic for about three to six, six months until one day I, I said, look, I'm far away anyway. So... Do you want to give it a go? And she got me a job interview at YNR at that point. Oh, brilliant. But you had to leave your friends, your family, I had loved to, ones I in had Australia. To, I had to go back to Australia because American law says you have to be in the country that you're from to get a visa application to, to that country. So I went back and had to tell my father, say, look, I'm back, but I'm leaving. What did he say? <laughs> he said, he's like, It's okay if you want to leave, but whatever money you've saved, you've saved, and here's your ticket for the way back. Um, Mm. If you want to make it, go for it, go for it.
1: Okay, so he gave you a, 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 you know, get out clause. You can make it back if you need it. You can make it (laughs) back, yeah. I haven't gone back yet. Lovely. Yeah. <laughs> so you arrive in New York. New York, yeah, yeah. Was How did you feel on your first day? Were you like, this is a big, big city?
0: I think, the. I mean, to be honest, I have a benefit or I'm good at many things in my life, being able to build empathy with random people mm. okay. um, and being able to kind of fit in in whatever kind of circumstance that I get thrown into. Uh, and it's always kind of been like a superpower that i that I have um and when I went to New York, I actually found that the most challenging ironically because it's I assumed it would be more similar to what it would be like in Australia or what it would be like in uh, in the u k and things like that but ironically it was like a country that spoke English that I was like familiar with through the movies, but actually I had nothing in common with pretty much anyone. Mm. Um, So culturally, culturally it was very different, yeah. So like, you know, culturally Americans talk about college football. If you don't go to college in America or university or uni as we call it, uh, you don't really support one of their college teams. You don't have a reason to. Or you don't have a reason to talk about baseball because it doesn't exist in your country. (laughs) Or American football doesn 't exist in your country, and the good old football, which i 'm a fan of uh, wasn 't really popular back then hmm. so you found yourself like wanting to get along with everybody, and everybody was really nice, but actually, the things that you would talk about were things that you had nothing no knowledge about so like i didn 't go to New York University or Villanova to follow their basketball teams, so it was quite challenging actually. Um, so, and I think everybody at some point in time was always talking about those three things, you know? (laughs) (laughs) So the first three to six months were probably the most difficult I would have in my life. In your life? In my life. Wow. And I've moved and I've gone to Latin America and I've moved to France where I didn't speak any language. I learned the language and I'd still say the New York part was Mm. the most difficult. Maybe because it was the first away from home. Maybe it was the first and like really trying to adjust and find those commonalities. Um, and if it wasn't for my wife, I probably would have not persevered. But, you know, I went there for a reason other than work and I kind of persevered mm-hmm. through it.
2: Yeah. And what would you say to someone, a professional who has got an opportunity to move to a different continent for work? What would you say would be the key things that can enable them to settle in a bit quicker?
0: a bit smoother um i i think it's just like you just need to have a certain expectation and i think i call it like the you theory right it's the euphoria of really figuring out you're going somewhere Mm. and then it's the reality that you're actually there and then over time you build that euphoria back up because you figured out your place in that area and you just have to Condition yourself for the emotional roller coaster to get to where it's supposed to be. You know, if I go back to what I would call, when you mentioned account coordinator early, like we were all sitting on the 12th floor at 285 Madison Avenue. You think, oh, great, this is, you know, advertising agency on Madison Avenue. And it was like on the 12th floor, and I was, remember it was like, as best as I can explain, a row of desks looking at a blank wall. (laughs) Mm-hmm. it's the madison avenue that don't you're, talk you're about but the, the
1: bottom of the career ladder. yeah at you're point. at the
0: bottom of the career ladder yeah. and i and this is the one thing that i did learn really quickly in in, in america and i still think kind of shaped uh, a lot of of who i am and it, it's because the, everybody aside from talking about college football and things i couldn't really understand they did understand they did speak something that uh I understood because everyone was planning their career path already and all I was interested in was like can we go and have a beer or can we just get along with each other <laughs> like and they were like oh no in nine months I'm gonna do that and in 12 months I'm gonna be here and then, and then. so then I quickly figured out that the 12th floor it was just a race It was just a race on on a sport that I never really thought was a sport. And the Mm. sport just happens to be, you know, your job or your career, which is the sport of life. So I kind of figured that out. And being a competitive sports person, I don't like to lose. So then I realized this was a sport, but it was just the sport of life.
2: If you have goals and ambitions within your personal life, career or business, and would like to overcome the challenges that you face, inspire people, and get to your goals faster, then a coach might be the right solution for you. Go to weunify.co.uk forward slash coach. Now back to the show.
1: How fascinating that, you know, this is a company you're now CEO of. Yeah. And your first role there, you're amongst the interns, and it's through speaking to them you realise, oh, hold on a minute, there's a competition going on Mm -hmm. here. This is a competition I want to win yeah mm. well i'd say you've done pretty well at that <laughs> yeah. um well, let's say. find out yeah how so you're in new york and you you get through this difficult time and it's time to to make your way up what are the key things that you're what do you remember about those early days did you have any big mistakes errors uh or or what was the experience like as it yeah i off?
0: think look everyone makes mistakes um uh I think it's what was really useful to me, I had some really good uh, early on influences that I worked with. It took the time uh, to kind of ask me the question when I didn't have... Um, the courage to speak out in a meeting because mm. i was the little australian that spoke funny you know yeah. <laughs> um they said they went out of their way to ask me my point of view on certain things or went out of my or of their way to kind of encourage me to kind of speak uh, uh, forward so i had like two really early on uh bosses at that point in time that were really good at building that empathy, I would say, and building that part of me up, that it was okay that you could speak and, and things like that. So They really shaped the ability for me to ask someone that may not be the most senior person in the room, that may not be the most obvious person to answer the question, what they think, and to really bring the people out and into, into the meeting, which was mm. which is great. Now, there's been mistakes along the way, for sure,
1: how did you? So you went up to you went account coordinator to account executive and got yourself up to account director within what two two and a half years? You were an account director. How was that? Is that roughly? Yeah, that's roughly right. Roughly right. Um, I would how? say
0: how um hard work. Uh, so I w- I would say the first the first few promotions were somewhat by circumstance and i say that is because like someone in between left and by the time that replacement came they figured out that actually i was doing that job for all of that period of time Mm -hmm. so it was like okay so why do we need that other person let's extend that they're like oh okay congratulations that thing um and the other part was and this is a lot of my learning and training was back in the day when We had a business, uh, it was business development, it was the new business team in what was then called YNI Incorporated, led by uh, Pat Doyle at that point in time. And this is where, in any given agency, the best thinking is always in the new business team because that's Mm -hmm. where you're showing your best face to, to the prospects. That's always the best thinking exists and stuff. And so I was in that team. Mm, You know, if I look at people that were in that team before me or, uh, yeah, before me or after me, they're all CEOs of other companies at the moment. Uh, Like all 10 of them, they're all literally CEOs of other other companies. And it was such a great training ground because you're dealing with strategic business issues you're dealing with solving clients business problems but you're not dealing with it on an annualized basis you're dealing with in a six-week sprint and then a new category comes in and it's another six-week sprint a new Mm -hmm. category comes in it so you've learned three different categories in a quarter and so on so you're really and i did that for two 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 years which just kind of propelled me because then all of a sudden you you're used to dealing with senior stakeholders you're used to Mm. dealing with things and Mm. when you don't have the benefit of time and everything is compressed Mm. you just have to do what you have to do Mm. right yeah and so that was that was my biggest um i think career accelerant if i can use that Mm. that that term
1: what do you think the lesson there is ash for people listening from andrew's story there
2: I think it connects to what you said before about momentum on momentum on momentum Mm. of what you do now. If you're able to keep yourself in a certain gear and a certain mode of, of being consistent and always kind of working to your best, then you're going to grow quicker. Mm. You're going to be more, you're going to be more motivated to put in the extra work to, to be the best, to be the most prepared, to be, to be ready for the new opportunity when it's there. Be that.
0: I think what's the alternative is also a good question that people mm. should ask. Mm. You know like you know like I really enjoy this business. Like I have a passion for creativity. I enjoy work and when we go and we, we see something on a on a whiteboard or on a sketch and then it comes to life and we produce it and we make it and we see business results coming out of it. It's a perfect blend of where business meets where art, right? We're creating things for consumers to interact with and purchase and use products with. So I really enjoy the passion of that business. So therefore, because I am passionate, I go and read that extra article on whatever, Harvard Business Review or the Financial Times or, or, you know, or, you know shoot magazine because i want to i'm interested in this you know earlier we talked about unreal engine right mm-hmm. as a as a but i'm really interested in all aspects of our business whether it's technology creativity so it makes me inquisitive mm-hmm. and so when i said what's the alternative if you're not inquisitive and you're not passionate then the alternative is go find somewhere where you are yep. because you're better going to be served up there like half of the success is passion, you know, being inquisitive and being on a lifelong learning journey. And if you're not passionate, like everything else won't happen because you're doing the job, you're pushing the spreadsheet, you're doing thing. So once you find that in yourself, then I think the rest kind of comes easy. Mm. If, mm. if not, then like I always say, like I say this to my creative partner, the, the minute I lose the spark for the business is the minute I'm out you know yeah. but i don't think i'll lose it it's just like uh, i enjoy it you know?
1: so how many hours are you working at this point in your career is it, is, it sounds like you're,
0: you're working hard oh it depends is... on who you ask <laughs> i would say look it, you know it's usual for for someone like me to do a you know 10 to 12 hour a day five days a week still to this yeah, day still to this day wow um and i would say it's gotten better because COVID has kind of slowed down the travel. But before travel, I would say it would be more because you'd had travel time and what do you do when you're on a plane? You're working, you know, you're not exactly sitting back and mm. um, doing things. Um, and so I think COVID has brought some of that work-life balance back, actually, something that I sorely lacked um, but I, you know, I'll, you know, on Sunday, you know, evenings, you know, you'll sit down, you go through the Monday list, you'll shoot out all the emails ready for Monday morning delivery. And, um, you get to the office. So you kind of like have your head rimmed there. So you're not behind the, the eight ball, but like, you have to cope with these kind of strategies. Cause it's not like, you know, it's cross time zones. It's, Mm. cross market there's a, there's a lot to deal with okay yeah.
1: we'll, we'll get to that how that is dealing with mm. it in your, your role now um, what, what challenges were there just in your pathway up to these more senior roles um, how was that experience going up through middle management to senior management and how did you progress
0: well, I would say as generally I had some great bosses that have all taught me certain things mm even if that certain thing was what not to do. Through those experiences, I've learned to really kind of hone in on uh, a client's business and really try to understand it as well as they do or uh, if not uh, a little bit better than what they do through a different perspective. And what happens next in your career? You're, you're making your way up to
1: managing director. At That happens in, in 2006. Two
0: thousand and nine, yeah, yeah, nine nine, twenty ten, yeah, nine, ten, ten. I think. Yeah,
1: you almost leave again. You almost left at the start when you got to America, thinking this is yeah. Hard. So you know
0: what was interesting about about the two thousand and ten move because I think it was the beginning of the journey to the CEO. Actually, okay. Mm. If I was kind of you know you asked that question earlier, so uh, my client in Latin America moved to Kansas City. Can you tell us who the client is? Yeah, the client, well, the gentleman's name was Costas Kondopanos. He was the uh, president and CEO of Hills Pet Nutrition. Um, mm-hmm. He's now since retired, uh, mm-hmm. still a very good friend. Mm. Um, and he asked my, my then boss to say, look, I want you to start a WPP integrated team, um, but I want you to do it in Kansas uh, City um and so i knew that there was something going on you know like but i didn't really know but mm. i knew that there was something and, and this is what did uh, you think you like I, yeah i'll tell you what i think because there's a funny story associated with that because i i thought for sure like i was reading the tea leaves so i think i'm going to move to paris because that 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 sign of the business is having some issues i get it i get the sense mm. and so i kind of made that mistake and mentioned it to my wife yeah and, and so i was like oh yeah great you know she's like i'd be up for that <laughs> so like, you mentioned G-G-. paris to your wife yeah paris to <laughs> okay. my wife. so then i'm like the romantics yeah, capital the, yeah, of the world yeah the, mm-hmm. so, so um lo and behold um as luck would have it we just finished renovating our kitchen uh in new york went to australia for christmas go back and the day we get back my boss calls me in and he says you know that job i was taught you know like you know this thing and you know, sold it to me it's like it's a it's like you're it's a startup job you're going to build your own sort of like wpp integrated unit you have what was then vml which is now part of VML 1i as a digital backbone but we need to do an integrated offering it's going to have shopper marketing media you know pr built into it and go okay um because it's in kansas city
1: and you're like sorry you said kansas <laughs> yeah. are you supposed no, to say Paris so, or so, kansas?
0: Um, I knew that my client was there and he goes, "Um, Costas wants you to go and see him. So I went down and and saw him and I must say that he had a lot uh, of influence over me even though he was my client. He was a a mentor and a friend I still call today. Uh, It's because of the way he treated the move because he knew having relocated himself to six or seven different countries with his wife and family, Mm -hmm. he knew how difficult it would be and I had two... Eighteen month old at that oh, time. Oh wow! Wow, yeah. So he brought me down there and he said, "Look, this is where I live. This is where I did." He came have dinner at my house. He's like, um, "I want you to do." It. And he explained to me what he thought success looked like in the role and whether I wanted to to do it and things like that. So I'm like, "Great." And he's like, "But you, I would only say yes if you know you bring Jennifer down and we kind of have a dinner all together." So. I want to make sure that she's on board. He says that to you. Yeah, he says he that to you. want to make sure your wife and family <laughs> yeah, are on board. Yeah, on board. Wow, I nice. mean, my kids are eight, 18 months old at that point in time, yeah, so they, they don't have really have a say. <laughs> <laughs> They'll probably just cry anyway. Yeah. So, and so, anyway, lo and behold, we said, let's do it. Um, it was great. Kansas City is a fantastic city, actually. Can't say anything bad about it. Uh, I think there's a fantastic uh, pocket of creativity. It was great for family life you know um and things at that point in time, and I got to be an entrepreneur inside of a big company actually, so we okay. built an agency I think what was what started off as having about twenty uh people or about four million dollars. Ended up having thirty-two million and you know one hundred and twenty people in Kansas City wow, alone, wow. and then offices in Prague, Tokyo, Sydney. So, wow. so, so you
1: were part of, of that whole journey. Yeah, as part what of was that, your role?
0: I was the guy making it all happen. That right, was there, yeah. and but the I went there with it. a a box and a dream. Yeah, <laughs> so like literally, I was outside someone's cubicle so at one point. So in time.
1: why why you why did they go? Andrew is the man for this.
0: Well, yeah, it's. I think I built a good rapport and trust um, with with the client. With the client, mm-hmm. uh, and he he wanted a trusted partner because he wanted to really turn around his business, and he knew that he could trust me. Mm. I mean, we we had a relation. Every Sunday we'd go for coffee because we we'd live in the neighbourhood. We'd walk. We'd spend coffee together. We'd kind of like map out the week uh, and then the week would be done and we'd get the teams going and we moved oh, really brilliant. quickly and were able to do a lot of great things.
2: How do you cultivate a client relationship if you don't have that proximity to them that you, you were able to have?
0: Look, I think like, everyone thinks clients is like – People are humans, right?
2: <laughs> like, mm. there's, like,
0: there's basic kind of things you got to have an empathy with per, in person, you got to have a rapport with a person. I think the only the only difference with business is there's an element of trust and verifying, right? So, <laughs> you got to they're going to give you some trust, but they have, they have to verify that you're going to deliver that. So when you keep doing that, your relationship builds, and when you keep doing that over course of time, your relationship builds. And so I think this is the fundamental. You're not the going showing up for coffee and they're like, oh, we love having coffee with Andrew. No, in business you kind of have to say you're going to deliver and deliver it, right? Mm. <laughs> and so I think that's kind of for me being the secret and I always did that for Costas, for and it kind of shows and it showed in his business performance and it showed in our business performance. I
1: see. So, so the path to, to CEO is, is went well on its way. You've been entrusted to set yeah, up a and, whole. Yeah, and that was the unit. first entrepreneurial
0: experience I had because nothing existed. Like we were, we was it, was
1: it a whole new brand or was it, it, was it a
0: whole new brand? It was okay. a whole new brand. It was a whole new agency set up that we started. Right. So what happened next? You're not MD yet, are you? No, I, I'm MD at that point in time. I'm MD. I see. Yeah, I'm okay. MD, and then I move over. So, Hills Pet Nutrition being part of of Colgate Global, two and a half, three years years later, they said, We want you to go to Paris. (laughs) And so, your wife's very happy about this. You know, we were kind of very settled in in things, but we said, Okay. How long had
1: you been in Kansas? uh,
0: Almost three years. So, the kids just turned four. So, so, just about to get out into school. Yeah, exactly. So, they kind of came over to Paris. which, if uh, you know, and that was to tur- to make what was called uh, Red Fuse or WPP unit into more like the unit I was running in Kansas City, okay. more integrated, mm. more modern facing marketing, more digitally oriented, and so that's kind of what I was brought over to kind of do.
1: So, to give some context for anybody who doesn't know, WPP is a global. Yeah, company. WPP
0: is a global marketing services uh, company uh, operating in technology, creativity, commerce and experiences. We are I think roughly about 12.5 billion dollar, uh, dollar turnover company in excess of 100,000 employees,
1: 100,000 employees across the world. That's a lot.
0: It's the largest yeah. we are the largest and we're proud to be the largest. Um and it's been, you know, it's quite a journey actually.
1: So, is this when do you start interacting with the? Was it, so, WPP is the holding company, they yeah. own uh, YR, they own
0: VML yeah. YR. When yeah. do you
1: start interacting at that level?
0: It was when I was um, coming out of the journey of Kansas City into Europe. It was then that I started. Mm. And then more so when I became WPP Global Client Lead. Okay. Uh, we pitched and won a large piece of business out of France. and I was you know at that point in time working with uh, the founder. okay um, and yeah we'll get to that then. Mm.
1: Uh, so you, you get this call about and they say it's Paris. what do they say to you? What is the in, in kind of explain it like I was five? Yeah, Format. so look, essentially, you, the like
0: the blueprint that we had, we set out and developed in Kansas City was like this new kind of way of going to market using digital. Me- I mean, you're thinking 2010, so using mm-hmm. digital media as digital first, mobile first, kind of like all types of thinking, less reliant on on traditional media, pushing into e-commerce sales, pushing in, um, and they wanted to bring that kind of model over here, and the leadership um, was. I would say more traditionally minded, mm. and so they wanted to make a change, and they wanted to make a change because the client also uh, was new and wanted to make it. What was it, the client? The client was Colgate. Colgate. Mm. Okay. Yeah.
1: So, they want you to what set up a new company? Or no, it was, what was it, your role?
0: the what the red the Colgate company or the Red sorry uh, division was already set up in Paris. And it was kind of to come and change it. It was a change management job to make mm. it more digitally oriented, I more. See. Yeah.
1: So was there an agency that was specifically yeah. there for yeah. Colgate? Yes, exactly. Colgate's their only client, yeah. and they need change. Yes, exactly. And you've exactly. done something they like in yeah, in exactly. uh, Kansas. Yeah. It's like come here, Andrew. Yeah, exactly. And make it happen here. Yeah.
0: Okay. And it's quite, you know, like it's interesting at a client. So when you do something really interesting inside of Colgate, everybody really knows, right? So yeah. they're like, oh, no, did you see that guy? Because they're, now they're publishing your work in the annual report or whatever. Mm. And then all of a sudden, you know, the other regions get some envy and they said, oh, I want some of that. And anyway, so my other client, Cesar Mello, um, who's like an investor and still a friend of mine now, was actually in Europe at that time. And he said, no, I want Andrew to come over. So it's like, so anyway, long story short, uh, I came over and, you know, started the, the journey of transformation, which was a, a whole different challenge. Set, you know, transforming in, in a highly employment regulated country. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, it, is, um, it was a challenge. So what is your role at this point? I was the MD or global client lead on Colgate and EMEA. Okay. Mm. For WPP or for, for this unit, WPP's unit called Redfuse.
2: How did you take your first steps towards driving this transformation?
0: Big words like transformation, all things sound like it sounds very complicated. <laughs> uh, but actually, I like to boil things down to simplicity. So the first thing you have to understand is okay, what problem am I really trying to solve? So you start to do what I call stakeholder interviews internally with the clients with the client stakeholders to understand okay what's working what's not working what's the desired state versus what it currently is and then that kind of gives you the granularity of a of a plan and then you got to go back with some recommendations and say look this is what you all heard this is what you all want to say and then here's how we're going to get there so you present that back to you in a, in yeah, a, presentation, in a presentation in a deck or something yeah in a presentation and present it back to management and saying here's the path and here's how we're going to get to and here's by when and here's the cost it's going to cost and here's what we think you're going to get out of that and so i
1: guess your experience of setting up a company from from the ground up really gave you that perspective on all areas of the business and exactly back plans that's
0: why i said earlier it was the it was the beginning of the journey of the ceo because at mm. the beginning like when i moved to kansas city i didn't really have any staff it was me and one of the person i see Uh, and then we built around vml at that time we built around um we hide people in from outside we built the team up so you have to build business cases you have to do all of those things and that's where i really started to get that itch for the broader business context of advertising not just the client business aspect of it.
1: So what happens next? So eventually, you become president of winear the company that you began. Exactly. As account coordinator yeah. back in New York.
0: Maybe yeah, it, was funny, it was funny because my boss at the time on on, on Colgate, Steve Forcioni, uh and David Sable, uh called me into New York, and it was like, about September. I was like, oh, this is weird. Why are they calling me? They're like, no, no, no come. We need to hear your view on 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 Europe because what we used to do on Colgate is not only were we running out of Paris, but we used to use a lot of the network in the different countries, some of which was one hour at the time. And they said to me, you know, we really want to, you to give us a point of view on what you think. I'm like, okay, when? Now? Right now? So I'm like, okay. And I gave them my point of view on what, what I thought needed to be done, why it needed to be done, and why you don't, you don't have any time to waste because you know the market was transforming, things needed to happen, they needed to happen quickly um, because as a client person, which I was at the time, I, I could see what clients were asking for and I could see where the people were weak. Mm. You see, like in delivering things. So, so I put together like, a, you know, I had a conversation in the morning. The afternoon we met again. I crystallized my thoughts, and at the end they said, "Do you, do you think you want to do the job of president of One i in Europe?" I'm like, "Are you offering me the job?" And oh, I said, "Yeah." yeah. <laughs> so it's like this catch twenty two because I really was passionate about what I believed in because. Having started there, I really wanted to make it work because I I I had uh, a sense of duty actually to kind Mm. of like making sure that it was humming, and so then I, uh, yeah, then I was given continental Europe. I would say let's call it. So did they let you know there and then? There and then. This is this is the job for you. Okay. It wasn't there and then they let me know, but it takes some time to make those things happen. What. For anybody who doesn't know,
1: what is a president? What does a president do for a company? What's your roles and responsibilities? I would
0: say the president leads uh, the company. Um, At that point in time, there was no chief executive. So Mm. like there was no one um, there. Normally, in some structures, they they have a president, which looks more after operational things and business development. Um, And the CEO would look after new business and vision and strategy and M&A. Um, but at that time, they didn't have those uh, dual roles. So, yeah, it was like looking after what was then continental Europe, let say Germany, Belgium, Switzerland, all of what you would call the European Union mm. <laughs> um, uh, in its truest sense because UK was not included in my remit at that point in time. Okay. Um, okay. Um, which is why I stayed in Paris, actually. Okay. Yeah, and so we started that journey um, and simultaneously in the middle of that journey, we we had this wpp level pitch which is which is when i became the you know double-hatted and became the wpp global client lead
1: so uh, tell us the story of that this this wpp level pitch what explain what that means
0: yeah so i think there are certain clients that do these integrated big uh, global assignment pitches which is usually has a combination of uh, media Uh, and media buying and planning a combination of uh, you know some form of digital marketing a combination of creativity and usually some elements of in this case it was healthcare marketing or professional marketing as we as we call it
1: so i'm going to make things even simpler so it's involving creating adverts on tv involves social media involves everything buying a space for it everything behind it all these things, and uh, for a project like this, what are
0: the budgets? What, what's the range of budgets for a project like this? Look, it it de- it depends. I think. Look, with, without giving specifics, the the assignments that you're pitching for are in the tens of millions. Yeah, you mm-hmm. know, Great. so so you're not. It's not small. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah.
1: So you get you get a call or an email going. Got this big pitch. And well, actually, because it started
0: in France, um, and you know, and it's like these these things, these tenders, as they're officially called, often last a long time. Yeah. So we're yeah. like, you know, I think this one must have been about 12 months in the making.
1: So 12 months from just to
0: get the, the work. Just to get the work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and then the work actually starts. And what was this client? Uh, at that client was Sanofi at that time.
1: So that starts your WPP role? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Because you won the pitch? Because I was the lead on the pitch, yeah. I see. Yeah. And, and what do you think were the key things that you you and the team did to to win that pitch? How do you win such a huge pitch?
0: I mean, I think every pitch has its nuance. And what and I think what they were looking for and what we were good at is providing some alternative solutions to what their current partners were able to offer. Um, so we were really good, at, uh, on the media side of things. We we're really good on, on, on what we call our healthcare professional marketing side of things. We we're really good on delivering, um, some digital programs. So, you know, there were nuances, but by market, but this was like a business that operated in 68 markets around the world. And this was, uh, on top of my day job. Which I remember was the president. So of, you're still the yeah.
1: president of this, and you're having to lead this yeah. this big pitch. But it goes well. You win the win the client.
0: Yeah, it goes well. We 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 grew. Uh, I, I would say. I said if if I was being honest with myself, more than anything else, you know, doing those two roles for that long, um, it's not was not sustainable. Mm. It's just because clients. Uh, work is like really consuming. Uh, yeah, of course. And then your know, other job is really consuming. So those 12 hours that we talked about were often 16 hours, you know, and the time zones that were global, not in region. So if I were, you know, sometimes you can't do too many things well. That's certainly the lesson I learned at that point in time.
1: What was your experience working with Martin Sorrell? Were you working with him at WPP?
0: yeah yeah I, I worked with uh with martin on this pitch actually uh, martin had many strengths and he was always on top of particularly on business development uh, opportunities and what did uh, you learn from him i think um what i thought he did extremely well was ability to identify new clients and new growth opportunities mm. Um. yeah, I would say he was relentless about those those things. When you had a new client opportunity, you know, like it was win it, win it, win it, win it. He has a winning mentality. Mm. So I learned that uh, from him. Mm. Uh, and an insatiable appetite for it, as you can <laughs> see, probably from his second act. And did that yeah. rub off on you? I don't know. I'm a different person, to be honest. Uh, yeah. I think uh, um, I learned certain things from it. Uh, but I don't try to emulate. I think uh, um, I'm I'm pretty comfortable now in my own skin, probably more than I've ever been, largely because of what I've gone through. You know, like up until COVID, I was, you know, 16 hours a day for five days a week and at it, like it was kind of the very definition of burnout. Mm. So you kind of really, you know, pull the handbrake, and I call it the COVID handbrake, and the stop the travel, stop everything, and really focus on an element of VML winr which was a new remit a new kind of job a merger tell us about yeah, that yeah. so so this is the new era for yeah. WP now and, and Mark Reed is
1: CEO yeah and he he makes a decision does he to, to combine yeah it Wynar was actually one of, it, with VML. yeah
0: it was one of his first decisions he came out of the blocks uh, okay. uh, post uh, Martin and VML winer and uh, I think, to be honest it made strategic set. there was nothing you could argue about he had like world's premier digital agency and a world's brand agency and bring it together to have the whole spectrum of 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 suite of tools for clients um and i think it made ultimate sense and like the proof is in our performance actually our growth rates over the last three years have been phenomenal because our clients are now seeing that you know Building more connected brands is more important than ever Having an agency that can do the whole spectrum is really important. It simplifies their lives it simplifies uh their their lives and the growth that we were able to create. Yeah. I think the strategy is right right fewer yeah. simpler you know bigger what, things what are you
1: can- thinking though you're president of wine Art, and all of a sudden the holding company they go, okay, the company you're president of is going to merge with another company you're thinking, oh. Am I out of a job?
0: No, because there was there was a, a few of us that knew of the things that were happening. Uh, It wasn't just like, yeah, it's not like, you know, you're mapping out positionings and things like that. There was a a few people that were in the know beforehand. It wasn't just flying completely blind. If it was, I probably would have felt that. But obviously there, it's unsettling all the time when these things happen. So I have a great deal of empathy because in, in a lot of the markets, there was was this duplication and things like that.
1: So these these companies combined, you go from president to?
0: CEO. Okay. Yeah. What was that? It what was the just a nomenclature. It was a nomenclature thing. We did, There was just one company had one terminology, and the other had term, okay. the other terminology. I think functionally I it was almost the same job. We just needed to have a different strategy and a different approach, and we built a team to that was looks so very you're different.
1: Your CEO for which region?
0: VML in Europe, Middle East, and Africa. Europe.
1: That's that's when that begins. Yeah. Twenty eighteen. Yeah. Twenty
0: eighteen.
1: Yeah. Okay. Mm. So all of a sudden. Uh, you take on not just Europe, but Middle East and Africa for two companies combined. How do you deal with that? What do you, what's your role? What do you have to do in your first
2: three months with this situation? Are you an agency or brand that would like to work with our production company, Unity and Motion? If so, contact us at unityandmotion.com. We produce commercials and social content Brands such as Chanel, Amazon, Reebok, Harrods, the Ritz, and many more. Now back to the show.
0: Look, I, I'm quite happy and fortunate. I would say that I we really have a crystal vision. I think everyone in our global leadership team set up a crystal clear vision for everybody to follow mm. you know and that kind of like just paved the way like you know we talked a lot about culture earlier you know we really do a lot of work around our culture making sure people are like bringing their whole selves to work so i think for me having that vision having everyone buy to that vision was the my like in in first 100 days that's what we spent a lot of time doing making sure that we're always communicating this is the vision this is the thing and then how do you do that you send an email saying everyone (laughs) this is the vision no yeah there's workshops there's people that you bring together because remember it was pre-covid you could bring people together you can announce things you can have regional meetings local meetings flying around and then also publicizing every little win as a proof point Every little success story as a proof point. And the, the reality is we the story worked for our clients and the market and we were growing. So it was easy for people to accept the vision because the performance was coming. Could you share the vision in one sentence? What was it? Yeah, we, we create connected brands. So we want to build the world's most connected brands. Yeah. And we do that through our brand experience offering, our customer experience offering, and our commerce what offering. What does that mean? So we believe that simply that for a brand to exist in 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 people in, in life today, it has to be wherever people are, whenever they are, that you can engage with it. And it, can, it just has to be connected into their lives. Mm. Um, and so if you think about... The way you interact with any one of the brands. I mean, I just look around here. How many connected devices do we have? How many brands are connected into your world? And when do you access them? People need marketing and technology and creativity around that. And that's what we provide for our clients.
1: What is it like? How many staff are under your remit now? And, you know, if there's tens of thousands of people... You can't have a call with them all. Who are you actually managing? What's What's painting the
0: picture of what it's like? The way we're structured is we have a country structure and we have a regional structure and a global structure. It's 13,000 employees globally. Uh, in EMEA now, we're probably about 4,500 employees across 24 offices or so um and that's that's your remit that's my remit yeah Yeah. and so when you think about a a scale it can be daunting but i think i've said this a couple times simple concepts simple management style (laughs) Mm kind of helps um I, i i would say i have like the three three things that we constantly focus on right so and we try to drive those same three things into the countries into the region and things like that so you know like what part like focusing on our business you know, like what capabilities do we need? Who do we need? Do we have the right talent? Focus on our creative work and what's our output because we ultimately we are a creative business. And what is our culture? What does that look like, that winning mentality that I talk? And we have like programs against each one of those. From a management style, like the 4,500 people, it sounds all grand and things like that. But the reality is we break it down to countries, right? So countries, are, and so the country leads I have my one-on-ones every other week with them. So, they're the CEOs, they're of, the CEOs of, of, say, VML of Italy. I, yeah, CEO mm. of Italy, CEO of UK. So, it's 24 of those, roughly. 20, so. Yeah, 24 of those. Yeah. And then I have a, a regional team, which is, you know, roughly is business development, client growth, uh, capability growth, technology, creativity, people, and and finance. Mm. and they're kind of like the and my cio and so then that's kind of like the capability slash department leads and they connect into the countries and and so i think what what i spend my time doing most is like you know 30 to 40 percent of my time is meeting clients making sure our top clients are getting what they need how they need or participating in client workshops um, are you
1: meeting them and going for lunch or coffee and saying how's it going was it more formal or a bit of both
0: a bit of both actually so some them really actively engaged like presenting to them yeah. doing things like that so especially on our top five in the region i would say I would what say, are your yeah, top five for the region yeah well, we'll, we'll okay. I, I prefer not to not to to because then you know i have my competitors and all of that yes. kind of <laughs> stuff but the top five i um i go and see um you know Once a month and most of the times I'm in a presentation, we're doing follow ups and not only with a person but multiple layers in that in those organizations. So that's about thirty to forty percent of my of my time, I would say. Then I would say thirty to forty percent of um my time would be on, on new business, making sure we're driving the top line growth, not only from existing but but top line. And then the, the 20% that's left, I would say, is more driving the operational issues, driving the capability growth forward. So it's more operational things. Like, you know, we're a publicly listed company. We have to have quarterly reviews, monthly reviews, all of that kind of, you know, fun stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I spend, you yeah, know, 20% of my time on those things. So you mentioned you're talking to... It's roughly twelve
2: CEOs every mm. seven days. What would you say, say are the consistent traits that you see across your CEOs?
0: I think um, it depends on the on the markets, but I think everybody's after a similar kind of thing. Is where's is the next growth going to come from? Mm. If we we live in a in a world where every single business is being disrupted. The advent of technology and what technology is doing to innovation and innovation cycles and length of innovation Mm. is profound Uh, and i'm not sure like tomorrow what tomorrow will happen like you know like if you thought about and this is like 10 years ago yeah 10 years the iphone has been around for like i think about 12 years right yeah yeah roughly roughly there um they just got rid of the ipod touch today as a it's gone there's No more, so they've decided that like we don't need that innovation. Mm. Like, so just think about like what that didn't even exist 10 years ago, but now they've decided that that's obsolete. It's, it's took it's probably took 50 years to even develop it. <laughs> now, now, 10 years later, what's going to be next? Um, and that's just something that is constantly disrupting. I think mm. now you know when you think about like COVID, like a classic fmcg marketer would be extremely paranoid of their distribution channels being disrupted like they used to have a pretty simple business model a couple large supermarkets i'm going to give them their products and the supermarkets would advertise and say oh, i have these products and they'd go buy them and all they'd have to do is like you know. I'd two-for-one deal or 99 cents off or whatever and and advertise the brand and more or less that was the equation. Now you've got Deliveroo, you've got Getir, yeah. you've got things that, you know, <laughs> like, and so how is that big marketer now going to do that and get the product into Getir app to mm-hmm. give it to you? Because I tell you now, we talked about my kids earlier. Um, my kids are like, on the here app and trying to order milk from the corner store. Like, you know, so some big brand is losing out on that because the other ones are more nimble. So this yeah. is the level of disruption, and that's like in the last 24 months. And so everyone's paranoid about where's the next growth going to come from. What do you
1: think is the next growth? What, I, what are you seeing?
0: I think the acceleration onto yeah. uh, online influence purchasing will continue. Yeah. So What whether do you mean you, by that? W- whether you decide to buy online or not, um, you will certainly go online and do a majority of your research to Mm. do that. If you can buy online, you may buy online like my glasses I bought online. You know, like I didn't go, like it has a little application. Oh, yeah, those look good, thanks. They do look good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah they worked. They worked. <laughs> so like I, um, I I did those on like, I don't know, one Sunday, you know. So, okay. Mm. I think those kind of things will only accelerate and, and go with it. And there's some fascinating technologies that are coming up. Snap, Snapchats kind of like point their camera and figure out the building history and things like that is just the beginning of like augmented reality that's mm. going to kind of like... Come on, um, you know, buying a car online. You would think like, oh my god, how am I going to do that? I I did that. I customized it. I then I waited forever because of the semiconductor things, and the car got delivered. Tesla? No, no. Oh, no, what? No. Uh, my client's car. So. Okay. <laughs> um, but I, uh, it wasn't. It wasn't a Tesla. It was like you know, nice like. Uh, good old traditional companies online didn't have to go to the dealer. What happens oh, to all those dealers? What happens to all those infrastructure things that happen? Mm, yeah. uh, there's a lot of what ifs and I think if I, was the, if I was the client of a large distribution manufacturing, that's what I'd be pre-operated or, or worried about. Like, mm. Where's that next piece of growth going to come mm. from?
1: So what's your advice? You're in a, a mere role. For a CEO who's uh, focused on one particular country, uh, what advice do you have to prepare yourself if you're going to make that
0: transition to a regional role? Set up your management system (laughs) really early on and figure out what the the signals you want back to be able Mm -hmm. to manage your business really well. So what (laughs) does that mean, set up your management system? So when you're a single market leader, you can know, all of the details of all of your clients in all of your business. <laughs> You'll know the ins and outs of every single P and Line item and things like that. When you multiply that by twenty four and this then the other, it's just impossible. Can't you can't yeah. do that. So you have to work out what are the signals that you need to be able to make sure that the business is running on time, the people are kind of creating the growth that we're tasked to create and that we're winning in the marketplace and that we're building reputation and so you need to work out what are those signals, and so you need to set those things up, right? So
1: how do you get those signals?
0: So for us, like I kind of it was, I alluded to it earlier by my management team in the centre. So I have someone that runs a business development for it. So we have a you know, a pipeline tracker where we know exactly what each country's latest pitch is on and we can look at it as a it's dashboard. it's all digital, you can so it's see. It's also there, so I can see it. And then her job is to manage the pipeline and my job is to figure out when it's big enough for me to kind of make sure that, like, we're putting our best resources on it, et cetera. Yeah. On our client growth, we have client growth planning tools where, again, where we're looking at business opportunities, how we can help the different clients, and and we also know, like, our client satisfaction scores, you know. Like, are they up or down in the quarter? Are they down? So another signal that comes back, you know. If we see three going down this way, you know, the phone call goes in, you know. How's you you call? Know, oh, usually the CEO. And then we go have a meeting with the client and make sure that there's an action plan against right. them. Mm. And then the financial systems, obviously, like, and the people systems. But then you, like, they all are signals and we have a nice, you know, more or less, like a three-page dashboard, I look at.
1: What's the technology
0: behind it? Who's providing we technology? we? It's a internal. Yeah. Okay, there is cadence to the to the month. Mm-hmm.
1: What's your cadence?
0: Week one is always like if it's a full week month. Let's mm-hmm. say week one is business development. Week two is client growth. Then usually there's a financial check-in right before the month close, making sure that the things are done. And then there's the month close actuals at the end, which is the review-looking thing.
1: Okay. And then
0: each then there's tracks where we look at marketing externally because you know that's just the reporting signals. But then what about the proactive signals? So yeah, like but you need to kind of be able to do that across 24. So and to know when you're going to get involved that's in a lot, data. Not, yeah, that's yeah. a lot of data. Yeah, that's a lot of data. Yeah, so we we have it, I think, down pat now. Grey Matters, new
2: business tip for today. Use your CRM effectively. Your CRM is your best friend and will help you manage your deal progress, nurture relationships, and identify strengths and weaknesses in your sales strategy. Keep your data clean and make sure everyone updates their activities regularly. Grey Matters is a straight-talking business development consultancy that empowers agencies to position market and sell themselves for new business success
1: do you think that impact where you were micromanaged impacts how you manage your team today and that you you know okay when do I
0: do need to step in and when I can leave them to it yeah i think I, I think generally speaking yes because i see that not only in managing the countries, because ultimately I'm a big believer, like if you're the CEO of a country, you're a pretty senior person you know like you don't need a lot of handholding you need the vision you need the strategy you need the help in trying to deliver new capabilities through our regional centers of excellence or but like accountability maybe knowing that the phone's gonna ring if things numbers start going down yeah so that's what the mechanisms are there for so you're not getting surprises Mm -hmm. i think i mentioned earlier right you know say what you're going to deliver and deliver what you're going to say. Yeah. Like the mechanism is are all in place just to do that, you know? So, mm. um, and that's fine from a reporting point of view, but I think, what well, I think we, as a, as an industry, and I think what we can do a lot better is making sure that we're, you know, we're being a lot more proactive with areas of growth for our clients. And, you know, cause we, we do a lot of these, you know, competitive pitches, and that's all great. It's like the industry standard, but, Really, how are you helping this industry grow? You know, And answering those questions, I think that's what preoccupies me. And we've identified a couple of five sectors that we think are going to be disrupted really hard. We're trying to create some thought leadership around that to try to point people into the area of growth and then help consult with them. So that's kind of, for me, the more interesting part of of the job.
1: Can you share what those five no areas are no okay (laughs) i'd like to say that but they're kind of our sectors that we're going going after so we talked a lot about the the professional side the business side here let's talk about personally you've mentioned before about you know you're still a human being with feelings
2: and Mm. emotions in those challenging moments where you've you know you were hitting that burnout what What were your signals to say, okay, I really do need to stop here and reevaluate my efforts here and where where my energy is going? Uh,
0: In full disclosure, this is probably the most difficult part to talk about. It's just not for anything. It's just not my style, Um, um, which is partly why I'm doing this actually, (laughs) Um, uh, is for my own personal growth. I, I, I think, the signals were there for all to see, but I didn't see any of them hand okay. on heart because that was not the way I was wired. If we go all the way back to my childhood, it's not the way we wired. What was wired just to work hard, be the first in the office and do the things, and that's the way I always did. Whether I had two jobs or three jobs, it didn't really matter. Um, and so taking on more and more and more and more responsibility without having the systems in place to be able to manage it make you know you're kind of trying to do everything right so so that kind of led to what i would call yeah, burnout. You know, um, and so why would you call it burnout? Well, I would call uh, it because my it? doctor said it was burnout. <laughs> okay. um, because so I why was why exhibiting... did you
1: go and see? did you say? Did you go because you thought something was wrong? Well?
0: My health was my health was was actually uh, suffering. So I was like, you way? know, it was like my cholesterol was through the roof. Like I was gaining weight. Um, I I was not sleeping well through the night. So you're um, waking up in the middle of the night. Yeah, it was waking up in the middle of the for night. I was long? never really a good sleeper anyway, so I thought it was just normal. So, you know, four to five hours a night was like normal for me, but apparently four it's not. Four to five hours a apparently night it's not. normal.
3: <laughs>
1: apparently it's not. So you, you were doing that for decades.
0: Yeah, yeah, apparently right. it's not. So right. um, some people do, and I'm like, a, you know, I've never been like a 12-hour sleeper for sure, but I guess that was a little bit extreme. And so my wife held up the mirror to me, actually, it's mm. like you need to go see the doctor. My wife She brought is. it up. Yeah. My yeah. wife um, said um, you need to get get a coach because I think you're kind of like. So I went to my company and. When was in this? A, what year? This was um, just before COVID, actually. Just really? before so COVID. 2019. Yeah, like roughly. December 2019. Right. Like you know, she sees you're
1: suffering yeah. ha- in your health. Yeah, in, in, in my health
0: done. and things like that, and and essentially, um, she said get a coach. And my company was great, actually i said i need a coach uh, why i said this is why i think but i'm not really sure i've got a coach uh, and the coach uh, was really great really helped kind of put the mirror on certain things and really kind of help say yes or no to certain things and to give the context of of accountability and then you know and then you what know what were your
1: it, feelings emotionally at that time before you got the coach
0: it didn't really, it, because you're in the you're in the tunnel vision, you're in that, like, you know, the streak. You're like, okay, I can do this. I'm still going to do this. It's not. So when someone holds up the mirror and says, actually, you, you know, like, look at what you're, it's kind of a bit shocking, actually. And then when COVID happened, it was like a complete handbrake, and then the mirror was there all the time because when you're traveling five days a week and, you know. So you got off
1: the the kind of, rat race movement that you yeah, were literally. first inspired yeah. by like oh the rat yeah, race let's yeah, yeah. race yeah, this, exactly, this race. exactly and that's
0: exactly all right all of a sudden it's yeah it's and i think this, this is but you know i mean for me it's like it's partly we talked about the reason why i was doing this uh this uh video podcast series is is because I want my kids to listen to it, actually. Because, like, I, I know they've seen me as a hard-working dad, but I also want them to understand that, you know, they can probably do things slightly differently and better mm. if they have the wherewithal to be able to do that. You know, so yeah. So
1: what's your... Your kids are watching now. What's yeah. your What's your message to them? And, yeah. and what are their names?
0: Uh, Zoe and Christian are their names. Hi, uh, Zoe and Christian. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. What's your message? My message to them is is simply find find something that you're passionate for, work hard at it, right? And try to make sure that you're not working exuberant amount of hours. You can can still work hard at it um, and have a balanced life right so like what I missed is that balance element and this is where my wife being the more balanced one she's like you don't have any balance you need to find a hobby you need to do all of these other things but I was like you know one-dimensional kind of you know the race the race the race sort of thing and so I think you know as long as they love what they do and they have hobbies outside of that love and if you can create like if you're an artist like i'm sitting around here looking at all this wonderful art if this is your hobby and you know this is great if you can make a living out of it but it doesn't mean you have to work 20 hours a day doing it Mm. right you can still have other things outside of that you can go and you know watch a theater ride a bike go swimming whatever the case and still be a great artist Mm. and that's the advice i would give to to zoe and christian but they still do need to find something they're passionate about the journey to management has never really been about the um, destination because i don't see i don't see you know, like in theory people are like oh you know you see like okay i never really think about it i just think this is like what i'm passionate about and i just have happened to have extra responsibilities along the way but i'm still very close into the creative work i'm still Mm. very close into into certain clients business and things and so i've never really thought about it as a title thing you Mm. know and uh if i was to say to anyone if you're thinking that way then it's too trans like i'm sorry you're never going to get there like what do you mean by that like if you're if if you set out on a journey to be ceo like, chances are you're not going to be there because it's right. like…
1: What, sh- mm. what should your focus be on?
0: You sh- On what the passion is, on the work, on being excellent at everything that you're doing at that stage in time. It's good to have a goal, but if your goal is just that next stage, you're, like, going to run over somebody. You're not going to bring mm. people along. You're going to be that guy that, you know… You know, that's, you know, I don't know, like do a shortcut and cut the corner or whatever. And you're not, it's not really going to be that, you know, in today's world, you have to build a great CEO in my mind is one that has a set of experiences that they can draw upon, that they can then kind of help mentor people and give that vision for the future, right? If you've only got that one dimension, you know you haven't collected enough experiences you're going to be blindsided you're going to be i don't know maybe it's a personal thing but no i
1: think what's interesting you said there is that of all the ceos we've spoken to and interviewed nobody has shared that yes i've always wanted to be a ceo or when i came into Mm. the company that was my goal it it happened as a result of the work they put in the relationships that they built the impression they made upon people that Mm. made them go that person should be MD yeah. or that yeah. person should go to the next that level.
0: passion, that drive,
2: that, that love for the craft and what they're doing.
0: I'm happiest when I'm looking in the creative room with my creative partner and kind of like seeing something that's, you know, an idea and a, and a spark that's kind of just like, you, you know you're going to change culture a little bit. You've just like heard something that's going to be amazing like a great example, I'll never forget it. We were in like our one of our regional meetings and our Poland CEO goes, Andrew, we have this idea, okay? I'm gonna explain we're literally walking to the meeting where I'm about to present in front of forty people. He goes, I have this idea it's for uh, BNP Paribas and the Gazeta a National Newspaper in Poland, and they want to do something on women's rights. So I found this, the the number one porn magazine, and I'm going to buy it, I'm going to shut it down, I'm going to turn it around, and I'm going to put female empowerment content so all the men that go buy the porn magazine, they're going to find out, I'm going to turn it into a sex platform. Right, so what do you need from me? He goes, I need 25 grand or whatever that cost is, and permission to buy the Paul magazine because they're about to go bankrupt. And I'm like, okay, great, go ahead. And all of a sudden, that won a Grand Prix in, wow. uh, in, in and And it was not my idea, but I was presented because there was like a permission thing about buying something. I mean, I and guess there's a lot of people. the excitement of the idea. I can even mm-hmm. feel my own energy now. I'm a little bit more excited about talking about the creativity than... I was about myself. So yes. I mean, I think a lot of people
1: in that situation will go, oh, that sounds risky. This could go wrong. It could go wrong. Let's but that's the difference that.
0: between good and great, right?
2: Yeah.
1: Mm. So just going back to, I think something a lot of people have faced difficulties with, burnout. What are the impacts of that for you now? Obviously, you had the mirror shown up to you. Yeah. You went, you got a coach, you did something about it how does that still play a factor in... Are you completely over it now? or
0: No, I don't tell you to, I don't think you... Ever get over anything, you always have an experience to draw back on, and you have a baseline, right? So, like, yeah. it's not like you're you know, like, oh, you know, I'm I'm cured this, I'm cute, <laughs> no you, know, more a, you know, exactly. So, then, yeah. therefore, let me work hard and uh, go back, you know. <laughs> so, now yeah. I think what, what I'm super conscious of now, and, and I was never, you know, I mean, like, I don't know, like 15 20 years, my wife would kill me for saying this, but she would always say, like, Andrew, you need an extra habit. So, like, I'm su- uh, super conscious about it. I, I play tennis twice a week, you know, one on the weekends on a saturday and i'll try i'll squeeze something in there when i'm in paris on a monday night or something like that um i'll try to go to the gym one other day a week and when i travel i always bring my uh, gym clothes and in the past i never used to bring anything okay so like yesterday i you know i had a client thing in the evening but i ran back to the hotel uh, went for a 20 minute swim got my thing in and went there I feel great Better for it works for you, your yeah, mental, and health and mental health. Mental health. And I still see uh, my, like someone once a month to kind of check in on me and things like that. And there are times where I can see, like, I'm working too much or I'm working too little, and it's all about, you know, the journey. Oh, I have an exercise this week. I find my, you know, as long as overall you're kind of like trying to get to some continuity. And the biggest thing for me is when I'm in home which for me is paris it's the most stable because i know the gym is right there (laughs) the tennis court is right there Mm. you know like and it's consistent and i know exactly it's when i travel that's the most difficult part Mm. so that's always still a bit of a challenge
1: so who did you speak to when you wanted to do something about it
0: well I told you I saw my uh, doctor, who said do this, and he kind of um, brought the signs up. He goes, "Look, I think you're like classic burnout thing. Like all your blood test is telling me is that, and your voiceover of how you live and your sleep is you're on like uh, pretty much burnout." And he goes, "Do you, I can write you a you know certificate so you can take some time." I'm like, "No, no, no, I'm like, doing episode, that. Got what to <laughs> do. <laughs> exactly." <laughs> He's like, "But can you call?" uh this person and see and and i said i don't really feel it's not my style to go there so anyway long story short he said it i don't know on month one i eventually called the guy on month four Take four months oh, four months to call, call who a therapist, yeah. a, a therapist. And, and you're uh, but
1: tell explains me your thinking you're I going thought,
0: don't worry i know the problem now i can solve it i can do it on my own i can do it on my own And I was getting better, I was getting in the net, you know, but then COVID hit and I think everything magnified at the same time. What's your
1: message to others who feel like, look, it's tough right now, but I've got this, I can do it. all.
0: You never feel like you're alone. Okay, and uh, I think, uh, you know, like I work probably, I'm probably very lucky, I work for a great boss, uh, John Cook, and when I kind of talk to him about this, he's like, okay, tell me when you need to take off, what can I help you with? what do I need to change, like thanks for reaching out. So what I what I would say is, it's not a sign of like weakness in any t- type of way, it's like, you know, life is hard, you know, like we all work hard, we all like, you know, most people on the planet weren't born with a silver spoon in their mouth, so like we have to work for a living. And so I think it's it's okay if like you can say, hey, like I just need like, you know, two weeks for myself or, do you mind if I do, if I do this now? Or, you know, this work from home thing is not working for me. I prefer to be in the office or vice versa, you know? But I, I think it's the more you talk, the better you, you'll be and someone will find, help you find or work a solution with you. I just don't think you can self-soothe, <laughs> if, mm, that, if that yeah. makes sense in the nicest way.
1: What is next for Andrew? Do you have personal things you'd like to achieve in your life that you haven't done yet
0: yeah i uh, I mean i've it's it's funny i it's one one of the questions that i dread because i'm not like a future gazer so to speak like to think that way but uh, i i have a measurement stick now and that's my kids getting up older they just turned 13 and and they men that measuring stick is like they got five years till their university mm. so i'd love to kind of be there more for them uh, um, how could you do that i don't know just to be there actually just to be mm. there like not to do anything special or do anything that i'm not doing but just to to be there in the morning or in the afternoon or like more than i used to be because i was you know i'd leave on monday and come back on friday mm. so now i'm more regimented about travel is like limited and must do basis. So do you so have that, to have that
1: conversation with, 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 you know, your, with work to say, I, I want to travel less. How does that work?
0: No, I, I, I think everybody wants, I think now with COVID, everyone's kind of come to that realization anyway, mm. but like, yeah, I was honest with my boss. I need to travel less a little bit for my health at that point in time. Uh, and everyone understood to be honest. Mm. Um, no, you know it's because when you're managing a diverse region, you could tr- you could find a reason to travel all day every day. Yeah. Um, but I think it's now. It's uh, I think the biggest lesson over this uh, period for me is that, like, my inclination is also to do a little bit, but actually now I'm managing, and so, you know, if I use my football analogy, and it wouldn't be a story about Andrew if I didn't get a football analogy in. Go for it. Um, I'm not playing on the field anymore. I'm the manager. Mm -hmm. Yeah and so i need to make sure that i catch myself that i'm not the player manager <laughs> you know. Yeah. and so um uh, if i and by doing that i'm able to spend a little bit more time with my kids you know and, and, and all i'm saying is like have a dinner with them like three nights of the week not you know or whatever so
3: what
1: impacts do you think that will have on their lives for the next five years because they're now
0: at an impressionable stage i just like want them to kind of see like you know like I don't want them to think that you know growing up like dad came on the weekends you know mm. like if nothing else they're going to think that which would you say that was the experience oh yeah that was COVID. the experience that yeah, was yeah, around before, the weekends like, before covid i don't think i remember in, in 7 years of living in paris i don't think i walked him to the bus stop 7 times wow uh, so i you know it's How like does simple that make things you feel? no it's like it's great in, in now Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But so that's why I I don't want the next five years to go away and think that it's something different. Uh, And I, because I think they'll probably forget the before 13, but they'll remember the after 13, just Mm -hmm. judging by when my mental memory kind of has kicked in and stuff like that. So, so yeah, so that's kind of like one future thing. I think, you know, I love all things Europe, Middle East, and Africa uh, in the region. I think it's one of these, it's, one of the few places in the world where like within a train ride away you're in a different language in a different culture in a like i catch a train and uh, from a french-speaking country to an english-speaking country
1: ash you're a father i'm not what's hearing what andrew said what does that make you think about being a dad and working and your two children it
2: is i i, I connect with that even like this this morning I was up early to, to get on the train and one of my, my oldest daughter was awake and she's like, where are you going daddy? I'm, like, oh, I'm going to London. She's like, again, you're going on the train again. I said, yeah, we have got to go. I'll see you later. And it's like, I probably won't see her go to bed tonight. And it's sometimes it's those times that you miss. And when you're busy, that happens. And as you say, yeah. it's the weekends where you'll see them because throughout the week, you're busy. And I mean, my, my children are young, one and a half and four and a half so there's a, there's a lot to go there's a yeah, long way yeah, to go yeah, sure. but still if that intensity keeps on going then there is that that um, element of me just not seeing them as much as I'd like to or as, as much as you can be there to create the memories that they'll hold on to
0: exactly I think that <laughs> it's the latter part um, that I'm more focused on now it's like mm. making sure that you're creating the memories that they're going to hold on to and they're going to cherish when hopefully someone one of them is sitting here in like you know 40 years having this podcast on the way back oh. so so like they'll be like oh i remember my dad said you know or whatever so well hopefully we might still be doing this podcast yeah. in 40 <laughs> years so we'll have you on you. <laughs> so no but i think like i think from for my big thing i like i always think that leading you can lead from authority because you're entitled or you can lead from a position of empathy mm-hmm. and i think the latter is much more powerful in a, in a business today like you know everybody knows that you're the top, you're the leader because it's written in your freaking email signature <laughs> but that doesn't necessarily mean you have followers that doesn't necessarily mean you have people that believe in the same vision as you or that are running that are willing to run through a brick wall in the in the pitch moment with you you know that is coming through empathy that is coming through the softer side of things and and i think for me always all of my experiences have come through understanding why this happens because i'm i'm rationally oriented I get all of the numbers all of those things it's in my nature so I don't really spend too much time on them because they come naturally to me but that other part of the muscle that we've just talked about we spent a lot of time talking about here at the end is something that I've had to really kind of try to learn more and more and continue to learn
1: we'll summarise by sharing what we think are the, the main lessons from your story and uh, kicking that off I think your story, you know, in terms of how do you become CEO of this large, successful organization, across EMEA, you you really got the fundamentals right, you know, in terms of delivering on your words, being someone people can trust, uh, and having that passion to go the extra mile, being prepared, getting in early when it's necessary, and. And getting those fundamentals right, and without those things, it's going to be hard to succeed yeah. in life. And it's not as like as you said. A lot of times, making it simple and um, and delivering on those things can really help you succeed because that's what people need. They need people they can trust, especially when you're responsible for you know nearly five thousand staff across a whole region. You know that's someone you need to be dependable. And also, if you choose love. You know, it may all work out. It will all work in. out.
0: <laughs> it will all work out. It will all work. As long as you're pure and again, it goes back to like having the right intentions. You know, whether that's getting into the office or getting into your home, if you have if your intentions are pure, I think generally things work out for you. Mm. But you kinda have to have that that you know, that thing in life where you're just you're pure about your intention in that moment, you know. And so like if you if you have some motivation, a hidden motivation that you can smell those people out. You all know them, you've all dealt with them and things like that. But I think, you know, having pure intentions, doing the fundamentals right, I think, and, and most importantly having passion you know having passion like equally i think passion in all aspects of your life and this is what i learned more over now in the last thing you can be passionate about your work you can be passionate about your home life but you always have to be also passionate about your health and what you have to do for yourself Mm -hmm. as a person so you need those three things to kind of all like work together so like equal amounts of effort in all three uh, elements of your life and And I think for me, I just, it took me a long time to realize all three are really important. Mm. And if I was to like summarize, I'm like, you know, find that passion, go for it. Find that passion at home, go for it. You know, find that passion that you're going to, that's going to keep you healthy and whatever, Mm. and go for it. And do that equally, all those three things. Because otherwise, if one of those is out of kilter, you know, you would either be unemployed and happy at home and healthy, or, or healthy. You know, I and mean, you know, so like you kind of need all of those three, three things, and and for me, it's a journey because I still need to get you know there. And I think you know that's that's the beauty of life. It's that's not it. it's not a point in time; it's a journey. Feels like you could have a book there at some point. In time yeah, maybe well, the maybe three passions. you never hey. know. You know, the three passions. Yeah, yeah. Look at that. It's oh, I, I, I do think so, so, someone someone said to me recently, Andrew, you should write a book about these 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 stories. I'm like, what stories? As you dealt with a pandemic, mm. you've integrated a company in the middle of a pandemic. Mm. Then all of a sudden, there's a war. There's, we don't have you don't have a Russian business. We're evacuating people out of Ukraine, and you've all done it in stride. And I'm like, well, because I don't think about it as all of those big master things. Because if you told me at the beginning of the job, like. This job will mean you're going to have to go through a pandemic, and do all these things. You'd probably freak out. No, thank out. you. <laughs> <laughs> I'll exa- pass <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, so I think, um, you know, maybe there's something in that. The three things, the mm. the, th- the three secrets to a good lifelong journey. Yeah. Well, I'll let you know when I'm at the end of the, the long life. So, um, coming
1: to a bookstore or online retailer? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah,
2: that's, that's it. And I think. To summarise from my side, I'd say that passion is definitely a big theme within your life. Empathy and leading with empathy and also reflection, like towards the end here where you spoke about looking at what the cost is to certain decisions you may make Mm. within your career, within your personal life. I think those three things are really important themes that I've taken from what you shared with us today. Right. Well, thank you for coming. Yeah, thank you for having Pleasure me. Pleasure to yeah.
1: share your story. I'm glad that your your children get to see you yeah. know, the story of their father. And uh, a shout out to your wife. Your wife is someone who follows her passion. Yeah. What's, what's she up to now? She
0: she A big shout out. She's uh, developed her own kind of business in, in France, uh, the Graceful Movement, it's called. The Ooh. Graceful Movement. Yeah, so uh, you can find her on Instagram at the Graceful Movement. So she's developed, uh, she's a classically trained uh, ballet dancer. Um, so, she developed her own blend of yoga, dance, and Pilates. And it's her own wow, thing. So, that sounds you can amazing. find her there. Yes. Yeah? So, she's a social media influencer of her own right. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. So Fantastic.
1: What a story. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for coming. Thank, thank you, you for having me.
0: Yeah. Thank you.